Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. So this evening, uh, it's adoption. Now, adoption is, is all about uh, the family. Now, our society kind of has a, a love-hate relationship with the idea of family, doesn't it? When it comes to politics, it feels like the mantra seems to be, don't, don't mention the family. Uh, we talk about everything but. But when it comes to TV, it's kind of everywhere, uh, from our, our period dramas to the, the modern family, even, even Star Wars. It's all about family, really, isn't it? Um, now, now, deep down, we, we have a sense that family really matters. Uh, just perhaps picture your, your family photo. Uh, I don't know what it's like. Perhaps it's small. It's you and your parents, you and your children. Perhaps it's the extended family. It's much wider you're kind of visualizing. Uh, perhaps uh, you're, you're alone uh, in that p- picture. Perhaps there's real smiles in the photo. Perhaps there's kind of fake, fake grins uh, in it. I don't know what your experience of family is. Uh, for some of us, it may be very happy. Um, sure, all families have their ups and downs, but, but generally you've had love and security. But for others of us, even talking about it may be stirring uh, pain. Uh, abused trust, absent parents, family, it can feel like a bit of a dark hole. But even in the midst of that, we, we know we know family should be more, don't we? It should have been good. And tonight, God's, uh, God's love in his word reaches even into those dark places. Okay, May his, his promises and his words this evening bring healing as you see a different family this evening. A new family, God's uh, family. Because right here in Galatians, in this, this central passage of the book, we see God is all about his family. It's a, a wonderful passage. Just have a look at 3.26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Then in 4 verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is all about being adopted into God's family. Now, just a word from the outset, when, when Paul uses this word sons, this isn't to, ex- to exclude women. Uh, David said this this morning, he's not being misogynistic. No, it's, it's because firstborn sons... In this time, with the heirs, heirs of the estate. So he's using this term because, as we'll see, there's something about inheritance going on. It's also because Jesus is God's son. And we'll see why that matters in a moment, too. So whether you're a woman or a man this evening, when you see adopted as sons, that includes us all. It's all about being adopted into God's family. Now, I don't know what you'd say the best thing about being a Christian is this evening if you're a follower of Jesus. Um, just have a think. Would you say it's forgiveness? Would you say it's heaven in the future? Well, Jim Packer, um, the theologian, said this. He says the highest privilege of the gospel is adoption. The highest privilege. Is that a surprise to you this evening? Adoption, really? The highest privilege? 
Well, let's dig into Galatians and we'll see why. Okay, we're going to see three things this evening. We're going to see why it's the highest privilege. And we'll see it's a received privilege. And thirdly, a lived privilege. So firstly, this highest privilege. Uh, Adoption into God's family. It's the peak. It's the pinnacle of our gospel blessings. It's where the whole of history has been heading. If you scan your passage, there's a big focus on time. Just have a look at verse 23. Now, uh, chapter 3. Now, before faith came, then verse 25, but now. 4 verse 3. Uh, before we were enslaved, and then verse 4, the fullness of time has come. Everything is heading towards this moment that Paul's talking about. Now, we're not going to pull out all the details of Paul's discussion here, but the comparison he's making is important. Before Jesus came, Israel, although they were God's chosen people, in comparison to what we have now, they were like slaves. Have a look at four verses one and two. Do you see that they were like a a child and still unable to have the riches of adulthood, even though they're an owner of everything, it says. Um, So they were like slaves. Then verse two, they're under guardians and managers. But now... They're no longer in a childlike situation and like slaves. Now, verse 4, the fullness of time has come. They're children of God. And they're they're firstborn sons now. Verse 6, you are sons. They have been what's waiting for them. It's where God's plan has been heading. It's the highest privilege. It's like a child inheriting um, a beautiful wooden box from their grandfather. Okay, it, it's, it's deep mahogany, it's inlaid uh, with gold, it's perfectly weighted when you pick it up, but it's, it's locked. It's a wonderful present, yes, but it's, it's locked. And then, then on his 18th birthday, he's, he's handed a small envelope from his grandfather, and inside is a key. He opens the box and opens it up, and there are jewels uh, beyond his wildest dreams. There's sapphires and diamonds and, and rubies and emeralds sparkling. He's blinded by it, riches beyond imagination. That, that's what adoption is in God's timeline. It's God's people getting the key, opening up what God's been building to. He's making his, his people his children. Isn't that extraordinary? God is giving his people a new family status. That's what adoption is. He's giving his people a new family status. He's, he's taking us from the old, from being childlike or enslaved. Now, for the Galatians, there are Gentiles. Before becoming Christians, they'd been in, enslaved to worldly things. They'd been worshipping false gods. They were part of a family that was destroying itself. They're in a, a place of pain, really. They, they were kind of trafficking in sin and the devil. And God's taking them out of that. And what he's giving them a new family status and name. He's, he's bringing them into the family of God. The family of the creator himself. Okay, it's why he forgives our sins. Okay, when, when God forgives our sins in Christ, when he justifies us, he doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't leave us guilt-free, in a sense, in the courtroom. No, he then takes us into his home. He wipes away our sins, covers us with Christ's righteousness, and then says, come home with me. He opens the door and says, this is your new home now. This is a whole new level, isn't it? And this family relationship is so close 
because it's all in Jesus Christ. Have a look at 3.26. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who um, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Notice the logic. Now it's, it's through faith. That means this is something that happens to us as we believe. But what happens, verse 26, in Christ you're all sons of God. How, verse 27, for the end of the verse, you have put on Christ. The picture is, is kind of a garment. It's a picture of a, a robe that we've put on. God covers us in Jesus with, um, with Jesus like a royal robe. Okay, as believers, we are so closely united to Jesus, we have his family status. That's how uh, we are sons of God. It's in Jesus. The father of Jesus becomes our father. Jesus is the son of God, so we become sons of God. There's a difference. We are not the eternal son of God. He is God. We are creatures. But just think, Jesus, the perfect eternal son becomes the perfect human son and then covers us with that sonship. Being in Christ means the Father loves us just as he loves Jesus. Isn't that incredible? What a relationship God is bringing us into. We are God's children in Christ. Verse 6 of of chapter 4, do you see? We can call God Abba. Abba's the Aramaic word uh, for father. Now, why the Aramaic word? Because it's what Christ called him. Christ called him Abba. We're in that kind of relationship with God. It's the highest privilege. And what a father to have. The perfect father. The eternal father of the son. Now, we've all had different experiences of fathers, haven't we? Some of our fathers have been good, with flaws obviously, some have been distant, some have been angry, some completely absent. A recent study found that it was more likely for a 16-year-old to have a, a smartphone than to live with their father. We're all going to have very mixed experiences of fathers. But even if our experience of father has been awful, that doesn't mean we, we try and get rid of God's title as father. Now it may take us longer for some of us than others to trust that title. But deep down we know that a good father is exactly what we needed. And this father, Abba father, our father, he is good. He's perfectly good. He's a father who loves, cares for, protects, uh, lovingly disciplines, has pity and compassion on his children. His love never wavers. He is slow to anger. He never abandons the family home. He doesn't spend all the money on drink. He listens and he holds us. This is our father. We are his children adopted into his family. It's the highest privilege And it's our permanent status. Adoption means to have a new name. God counts you as his own. This is at the the heart of adoption, isn't it? It's a new family name. It's not just staying uh, with a new family. It's not just doing things with them. It's permanently joining the family. You know, the parents are saying, you are fully my child. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? A vulnerable, parentless child being made a full family member. We have a new family status. Whatever your background, 
whatever your ethnicity, whatever your family life, we are all one family. This, this means adoption means, um, it means it's a reality whether you feel it or not. Whether God feels close to you as father or not. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you cling to him for your salvation, your forgiveness, receiving his gift, then you are God's child tonight. Isn't that incredible? It, it may take time to believe it. It may take time to realize what's actually happened, but that doesn't change the truth. If you are a Christian believe here this evening, do you realize who you are, whose you are? You are a child of the Father of heaven. You are a child of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are his beloved child. That is your status. That is your name. That is your bedrock. And if you're not a Christian here this evening, as we go on, get a grip on this and you'll understand why the rest of us are here this evening. This is at the core of Christianity. It's God making us his children in Jesus. Now, there's more that goes into that. But if you want to know what the kernel of our faith is, it's adoption. Now, with even that said, I wonder, though, if our relationship doesn't work on that level with God's. I wonder how many of us day to day actually treat and think of God as our boss. We're his employee. We're kind of on probation in our job as well. We're, we're trying to live up to what he set us. We're kind of worried he's going to call us into the office and like the apprentice kind of hear those words, you know, you're fired. Well, let's delve further into this truth of family status. Let's see how that image of God is so far from the truth. Because not only is this the highest privilege, it's also a received privilege. A received privilege. Family status isn't something we earn. Okay, it's something we're given. Paul really wants to emphasize this. 3 verse 25. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. It's that faith through faith. We're not sons of God through works. We're not sons of God by ticking the right boxes, by being as holy as possible. And only then does God adopt us. No, it's through faith. It's not earned, it's received. 4 verse 5, Paul says it explicitly. So that we might receive adoption as sons. That's the nature of families compared to work, isn't it? When, when you were born, you were given the family name. You know, I didn't have to prove myself to be an Alan before I got the name. I don't know what that would have looked like. My dad's an art historian. His dad was a bank manager. Would I need to be a bank historian? I don't know, an art manager. Who knows? But no, I was given a name. I received it. And when God adopts us, we just receive the name. And that's because God has done everything needed. Okay, just look at what our God, Father, Son, and Spirit, does to make adoption a reality. Okay? Our, our triune God really wants you to be part of the family. Firstly, okay, the Father, He initiates it. Okay? In a sense, he makes it happen. We, we don't have a double-minded, hesitant, adoptive father. Okay? He wanted this. 4 verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. God sent the son. 
The son didn't just kind of slip out with, uh, with God not noticing. No, the father sends the son. And then the eternal son of God achieves it all. How? Verse 4. He was born under the law. And that's he, that is, he lives a perfect life for us in our place. He earns it. And then he dies obediently again in our place, taking the curse of the law for our forgiveness. And then we are made one with him. These are profound actions by the Son to make you a child of God. And then finally, the eternal spirit, the spirit of the Son, was sent again by the Father. Why? Verse 6. So we cry, Abba, Father. He comes to bring adoption alive in our hearts, to make it real for us, so we can really say to God, you are my Abba, Father. God wants us to be his children and has done everything necessary to make it happen. It's it's like a a grandmother making sure their family gets to her at Christmas. Now, maybe the family was a bit uncertain. She wanted them. Um, Would it be too busy, too many people around for her? Um, and, and then she, she spends her pension on the holiday. She pays for the accommodation. She gets someone to come and pack your stuff even in your house. And then a car turns up to get you there. And it's even got drinks and nibbles inside it. It's all sorted. Now, it would be weird at that point to say, does she, does she really want us to come? Of course not. Of course she does. She wants you to be there. Or well, think of that uh, beautiful film, uh, Disney film, Finding Nemo. Okay, all about a dad called Marlin. He's a clownfish and his son Nemo gets whisked away to Sydney. And Marlin, he travels the oceans. He battles sharks, he rides currents, he gets stung by jellyfish, all to get his son back. That's love, isn't it? He did everything to get him back. God held nothing back to make you his child. The Father sent the Son and the Spirit. The Son came to live and die for you. The Spirit came to make sonship alive in your heart. He wants you to be his child. He's done it all. It's a received privilege. That's all we do is we receive it. And he's done it all, not just now, but it's secured for eternity. 4 verse 7. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. An heir. That's, that's a word, isn't it, that points to the future. But adoption is sure now and into the future. When Christ returns, we will, we will fully experience adoption and see it all. We're going to receive the inheritance, inherit the earth, knowing our Father fully without sin, darkening our eyes, but intimately and deeply. If, if we're heirs, then adoption is secure. It's ratified. It's, it's a signed, done deal. So all we do is receive it, verse 5, so that you might receive adoption as sons. And if it's received, it does mean it's safe because it doesn't depend on us. God is the rock and we are not. He doesn't change. It depends on him. He's done everything to make it happen. This is of such great comfort when we sin, which we all do. If we, if we think our adoption is earned, then either we swan into God's presence proudly or we cower away assuming he's going to leave us out in the cold. But knowing he's our father, that he's made our adoption a reality means 
even in our sin and our shame, we can come to him. Perhaps this evening you know you've messed up big time. Your sin is right right in front of you. You're, you're deeply ashamed. Perhaps it's sexual sin or the way you've treated someone close to you or just, just your constant ignoring of God's. Well, don't, don't hide away like Adam and Eve did in their shame. Come to your heavenly Father. You didn't earn your adoption, so don't try and earn it now. Come and repent. God doesn't pick the, the, the all-sorted kind of child. His children haven't deserved his love. His children haven't patched up their lives. No, you just received your adoption. It's not going anywhere. Remember, we're in Christ means we go where he goes. He's permanently the son of God and therefore so are we. We have permanent belonging. Come to him. We're wanted by him. Alistair McGrath puts it like this. To be adopted is to be invited into a loving, caring environment. It's about being welcomed, wanted and invited. It's a received privilege. It's the highest privilege. It's the received privilege now, if, if you're starting to think, well, that means I can just do kind of whatever I want. It doesn't matter. Well, just hear this last one. There is, uh, this is also a lived privilege. A lived privilege. Uh, family resemblances are uncanny, aren't they? Um, how you can hear a voice perhaps on the phone and, and think it's one person and then find out it's their brother or an uncle or a cousin or something. And, um, and, and it's just as true, uh, it can be as true of adopted children. They, they learn facial expressions and, and mannerisms from their new parents and, and come to be just like them. And God's family is no different. As part of the family, we come to live like it too. We start to take on family resemblances. This is a lived privilege. That's why Paul put this right at the center of the letter to the Galatian church. Okay, The Galatians were a group of Christians who were forgetting the gospel they'd heard and were heading back to old and different ways. They were looking like their previous parents. They were trying to earn their salvation, trying to work their way into God's good books. Just have a look at the end of verse 9. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. Paul wants to, to remind them of their adoption. Why? So they, they begin to live like it, to live like the sun. Notice something strange about the, the order of verses um, of chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Okay. Now we'd expect... Especially verse 6. We'd expect God has sent the spirit of his son, so now you are sons. Now there's, there's truth in that. God's spirit does come into us to give us new birth. But that's not what Paul wants us to see here. Look at verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. There's an order. We're sons, and it's on that basis he sends his spirit into our hearts. Why? Because verse 6, the spirit brings the experience of being a son alive. It's by the spirit we cry, Abba, Father. God has made us his children, so gives us his spirit so we can experience it, so we can live it out, so we can be like Jesus. It's not just a nice thing to know this evening. It's a life. Since we're his children, he's helping us act like his children. And he starts by helping us call him father. 
That's where the, the, the life of a Christian begins, crying, Abba, Father. Just as Jesus taught us, our Father. Not as timid, scared, kind of witless mice entering the headmaster's office. No. Look at the verb Paul uses. It's crying, Abba, Father. It's a, it's a word of boldness. We can come to God. Come to God himself and cry to him as our Father. Now this is a privilege to be enjoyed. Don't be ashamed of calling God your Father. Love it. Come boldly to him as your Father and pray. Now some of us may struggle feeling God is distant or others of us can feel like there's something wrong with kind of a matey matey God. Well, God as our Father deals with both, doesn't he? There's an extraordinary intimacy here that we've thought about. But there's also a respectful distance. As the fifth commandment says, we're parents are to be honored. And that helps us come to God, the God we honor as our Father. I think this can be harder when life seems to be falling apart around us. Perhaps for you it's in the family itself, like a, a parent in hospital for a long term, a, a time a spouse away on a long-term placement, a death, a divorce, kids are rocked. And although perhaps we don't show it as much, we are too as adults. But whether it's in the family or, or loss or pain or um, unfulfilled desires or poor health or, or problems at work, it, it feels as if our bedrock is falling apart. And, and at that point, we can clam up, can't we? We can avoid God. We blame God, thinks he's leaving us. And we, we definitely wouldn't call him father. But remember, if, if your life is falling apart around you, that doesn't mean God has ceased to be your father. Remember Jesus. He faced persecution and death itself, but that didn't mean he ceased to be God's son. Even as our world falls apart around us, as walls crack and crumble, as what we took for granted seems to dissipate, even with that, God is still our Father in heaven. He's still with you, bringing you to himself, holding you now and for eternity. Don't distance yourself. Cry to him. This might not be easy, but even in the tears, come to God as your heavenly Father. He's not some vindictive ruler, but the Father you belong to. He is good. He will never let you go. During the struggles that came our way as a family over the last couple of years, stumbling towards God as my father has been of such extraordinary comfort. Just to be able in the pain to get on my knees and somehow say, Father, it's, it's a lived privilege. Come to him. And as we do so, he starts to make us more and more into the family likeness. The spirit of his son is there to make us like the son himself. We, we put off old family resemblances and start putting on new ones. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is a great thing. Enjoy getting in step with the spirit. We honor our father as we take on the family resemblance. At times it's hard, at times it grates, but over time people will notice the change. What's happened to you? You used to be like that, but you've changed. And it's lived with one another. Just look around you. These are your brothers and your sisters. They have the same father, the same older brother, 
Just imagine that family photo again and put one another into it. We're given the same spirit. We receive the same adoption. We're heirs together with Christ. There's no hierarchy amongst us. There's no boasting. In Paul's words later in Galatians, he says, let us do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's us, our brothers and sisters. He says, let's bear one another's burdens. In in our house group this week, we had a, a really challenging discussion about friendship. Not just being friendly to people, uh, which we're all probably pretty good at, but being actually open to friendship, making effort at friendship itself with one another. That's about living out this privilege. If we're brothers and sisters, let's, let's act like it in our welcome of each other, into our homes, into our lives. Not, 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 um, just being friendly is not family. Anyone can be friendly. No, it's more than that, isn't it? We're, we're children together of our Heavenly Father. But to finish, perhaps as you look at your life, you know you're nothing like uh, Jesus. You, you don't know God as your Father. Well, if that's you tonight, perhaps you've never come to Jesus as your Savior. You've never actually received his gift. Um, and received his spirit. If that's you, then tonight, please don't miss this opportunity. Come to God. Knowing you don't, don't deserve this privilege of adoption, this privilege of sonship, but that he has done it all. Come to him. Receive it. And may his spirit come into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. It's our highest privilege. It's a receive privilege and a live privilege. Let's just pray together.